Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcast to Mark Contreras with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Sports Sundays. As always, you know where you can find me. My links are going to be on my Facebook. You also can find me anywhere that you get your podcasts, especially on the Anchor app, anchor.fm, and Spotify. You know, I say it all the time. Those of you listen to me all the time, you know, I say it all the time. On Spotify, you can go there. You can click follow right there. And it's going to let you know when my next episode is going to be up. So let's jump off into this week's episode. Little down, little up. We're going to be talking about LSU. We're going to be talking about Saints. We're going to talk a little bit top 25. We're going to talk a little bit of just football in the sports world. I don't even want to talk baseball right now because I don't want to jinx my Braves. So for real, like last year, I couldn't even watch a Braves game, even especially in the playoffs. Until they won the World Series game, I was able to watch that one. I couldn't watch them because every time I watched, they would lose. So I was jinxing them. So I'm not going to talk baseball. Plus, those of you know, football is really what I talk about, right? So let's jump off into it. We're going to start out with the low part. We're going to start talking about the LSU game. Listen, that 11 o'clock game, it may be a mental thing for LSU playing at 11 o'clock. They typically don't play good at 11 o'clock. Uh, it's been a long time since it, that that early morning game they've actually played really good. I think it was way back when against Georgia, um, you, you know. And you really needed this team to to show up and show out like they had in all season to be able to compete with this Tennessee team. And l- let's be honest, I talked about it before uh, that you can't really get behind the eight ball with this Tennessee team because they are a spread offense, air raid in a sense too, uh, kind of like. Mississippi State, which the defense uh, clamped down, uh, offense did just enough, uh, but they are at warp speed 24-7, and so you have to be on your P's and Q's at all points, and uh, they are a legit team. They are a team that uh, right now, they, they're they definitely in the top three of the SEC, maybe even top four, because you may put Ole Miss in there, even though Ole Miss struggled against Vanderbilt yesterday which was kind of funny for a little while. Uh, not Nothing against Ole Miss, but it was a little funny that they were struggling against Vandy after some of the times we struggled against teams, after some of the teams that uh, uh, Alabama struggled against teams and Georgia against Missouri last week. Uh, and so it was, it was kind of funny, but it just shows you where the SEC is uh, dynamically, you know, also how good the recruiting is and how good the coaching is all the way through. Uh, don't get me wrong, Vandy's still at the bottom of the tier there. Them and Missouri are one and one, I think, at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and, you know, it, it is it, it is what it is with it. But to the LSU and uh, Tennessee game, uh, I, you know, I said it. I don't I don't like the 11 o'clock game. Uh, I, I think the atmosphere doesn't get set the way that it wants to get set. That was a game that I was definitely wanting to go to. But at the same time, I was coaching my son. So I was like, you know, priorities. I wanted to be able to go see Cheyenne play out there at Tiger Stadium, uh, which he had plenty of opportunities to because we were kicking, they were kicking the ball off to us an awful lot. So let's talk about the game. I know many of you don't relive it, but we're just going to talk about it to talk about it. Uh, listen, man, when you start the game off the way that you did, we, we take the opening, opening kickoff, and Besh fumbles it, gives him the ball, I think on the 27-yard line. They get a couple plays, score. Then we get the ball. We don't fumble it. We take a fair, get a fair catch, so we don't fumble the ball. Uh, <laughs> man, 
we, we, we get a couple plays. Then we punt the ball. Special teams fails us again. They return the ball all the way to the 26, get a short field again. Then you've already set the tone for, for your team. Uh, honestly, you set the tone for your defense. You've already put your defense uh, behind the eight ball. You put your defense in a sticky situation. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit. Look, the defense it really is our strong point for the team this year. Uh, but now, I will say this. that The parts on the defense that I say that are the strong part are the defensive line and the linebackers and maybe your safeties. Your corners are definitely weak. Uh, all four corners that get in the game, actually all, I think, six uh, that get in the games here and there, they're really struggling. I will say this. These these DBs are not DBU right now, and it, it could be because of the coaching staff. It could be because of the talent that they are. Think about some of the transfers you got. You got some from Nichols. You got a guy from Nichols. got a guy from ULL. Uh, there's a reason why those guys weren't recruited as high as they were before, but they really excelled at where they were playing. So, And we had, you know, you, myself, and your cousin could have got on the team and played cornerback for LSU because there was that many open positions. And so, But they are not there. You saw a couple of times where, a few times where the receivers were just absolutely getting behind the DBs and just just burning them. And so that it is not DBU right now. It may be a turnaround. Uh, but, and I know with uh, Tennessee having all the rushing yards that they had, they, I mean, they didn't have a ton of rushing yards, but they had enough rushing yards. The running back goes up for 127, I believe it was, uh, their, main, their main running back. Uh, you know, but that comes with, that's a wearing down of a defense, man. When those guys are put behind the eight ball so much like that, you really are going to wear those guys out. And that's what Tennessee's offense does is they wear a defense out because they're just warp speed nonstop over and over and over. We're coming, we're coming, we're coming. We're just going to keep swinging. That's what they do. Uh, so enough on the defense. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on LSU because, yes, it was a down weekend. was not fine. Um uh, we got a big game against Florida this coming week. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't look great because Florida played a lot better against Tennessee than we did. Uh, but you know what my feel is on that. Uh, I don't like that orange and blue team whatsoever. You already know that. Special teams is a big-time Achilles heel for this team. Now, even with a struggling offense and a championship-caliber type defense or almost they are really, really good defense, whatever you may want to call it, you could blame the O-line, the receivers, the quarterback, the running backs, etc. When you have that Achilles heel of the special teams, uh, and this is all the way around, whether it's kick return, punt return, kickoff, I mean, extra points, field goals. I mean, they struggled all season long, and it hadn't gotten any better. It seems like a lot of it's gotten worse. It is a huge Achilles heel. So if you have that area sewed up, if you have an amazing or great special teams unit, then man, that can really help you out with a struggling offense, and uh, it's just not there. So it is a, it, it honestly, it's our weakest point on the team right now. It, it's sad to say that, but it really is, especially when you look how the offense works. Moving on to the offense, real quick, I want to say this: running backs. Now you can go back and say hindsight 2020, etc. On this, uh, but I'll explain to you why I'm saying it, why I'm share, why I'm sharing it. Uh, you could say, well, you know, the game was we really had to pass the ball a whole lot more because we were trying to keep up with Tennessee, etc. But our running backs only had 17 yards rushing on 12 attempts. 12 attempts. Three running backs, you only had 12 attempts. And like I said, you could try to use that excuse uh, that they were behind the eight ball, etc. And they, they were trying to play from behind, etc. 
But this is a common thing. The running backs are not touching the ball. There's not a lot of rushing attempts, and we could try to blame it on the offensive line. No, 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 no. The more you run the ball, the history shows that you don't have to be a college football coach or, or NFL football coach. History shows it that the more that you, you get these guys going, especially running backs, the more they're going to especially it, the more they're going to put out production. It's just the way that it is. Running backs are always, quote unquote, the great ones, quote unquote, stronger in the fourth quarter because they've worn down the defense. And so, and I'm not saying that we need to be able to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, less mile style and three yards in a cloud of dust. But I am saying there needs to be some balance. Uh, and, and listen, all of the rushing yards that uh, the quarterback Daniels gets, those are 98% of those are not designed runs. Even on the uh, RPOs, you could add that in, drop it down to maybe 95%. But the more, majority of those rushing yards that are coming from him, he's our leading rusher by far is because he just breaks down and runs. If the play didn't even get a chance to break down, he runs. That's where all that's coming. So th- there's not even a balance in the calls, in the playmaking calls there from the from the offensive coordinator to set it up to where you can get balance and actually run the ball. Uh, and, and you can't give up on the run so easily, uh, especially in SEC football. You can't, man. You absolutely can't. Even in 2019, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, even John Emery, uh, Ty, Ty Davis Price, all these guys were uh, productive. Now, I mean, Clyde Edward Hilaire was was amazing. And, you know, he won. He almost single-handedly won two games for us that year when Auburn and Alabama. Um, when you when you go back and watch those games, he honestly really did. It was it, without him, we didn't win those games. Uh, and so, you there has to be more balance from the offensive production side. It has to be. Because you have a struggling quarterback, you keep putting him in positions. I know we have all those wide receiver and tight end weapons, but the guy's just not getting it, and you have to protect that type of quarterback. I know I'm not a coach, but history shows. I'm telling the truth here. Moving on to the quarterback situation here, you have heard me say it over and over and over and over before this season about Daniels. Yes, when you look at the stats, and you all have heard me say this over and over, you can skew stats just about any way that you want. When you look at the stats, pretty good completion percentage, over 300 yards passing for his first time in his career at LSU. So if you look at the stat card, it looks good. But if you watch the game, or even if you go back and watch the highlights of the game, you see many, many times the same problem that we've had all season. You have open receivers, open receivers, multiple open receivers, and we're not delivering the ball to them, or we're not delivering the ball to them on time, bad throws, etc. Even the, uh, the uh, interception at the end of the game, you're throwing a fade pass there, you got a taller receiver, you got to put the ball where he, only he can get it, and he didn't have to try to get it wrestled away from the defender who has a better position, who's boxed him out like a, like a basketball player. You can't do that. Uh, at college-level football, you have to be able to make at least those throws. I mean, high schoolers, high school quarterbacks, make that fade throw a lot better than what we're getting right there. I was talking to my brother yesterday, and uh, listen, it's obvious that we're gonna not going to be going for the college football playoffs, obviously, so we're not going to be fighting for a national championship. You only have Jaden Daniels this season, but you have at least this year and next year with Garrett Nussmeyer. Here's the thing with, here's my thought process on it. I know Garrett has been a little reckless with it, but you have him coming back next year. You're not going to win anything this year, right? Go ahead and put, make Nussmeyer your starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Take your lumps with him for this season 
so that he can have the experience, in-game experience, and the confidence for next season. Because he's oozing with confidence. But it's going to be able to get the experience in there to where he knows where to get the right reads, etc. Know when he can make the gambles and not make the gambles. You got to be able to do that. And not to compare anybody to Joe Burrow. But when you look at the 2018 season, I don't think you have a 2019 season with Joe Burrow if you don't have the 2018 season with Joe Burrow. Which was it looks it was, it was basically mediocre for everybody else. Nobody thought he was going to be a good quarterback. We had hopes here in Louisiana. If you thought he was going to be a great quarterback before the UCF game, then you're telling a fib, and you need you, you. Let's just be honest. You're telling a lie. You didn't think that either, right? You absolutely didn't. So here's my thing. You need to be able to get this guy in here. Take your lumps with him with the rest of the season. We're not making it a national title. Make the move. Grow with the lumps. Take the lumps with it. And have a quarterback that's going to be ready for the system for next year. And bring some balance. Good grief, bring some balance to the offensive side. Moving on. Let me ask this question really quickly. Why does Bama... Can anybody answer this question? Why does Bama always play down to Texas A&M? And when you look at their their helmets... uh, I get to pick on them even more now because of Jimbo... The helmets are ATM, which is really funny. Which is really funny when you think about it. ATM and all the money that they spend on those players, and they're still not getting any wins. Uh, why does Bama always play down to Texas A&M? They've done it since Johnny Manziel. You go back and look at it. They could be the top of the world, best team in the nation, go on and win the national title, or even play in the national title and play down to almost lose or lose to Texas A&M. Right, once or twice to Kevin Sumlin, once so far to uh, Jimbo, almost lost last night on a comeback. So I don't understand. It's kind of like LSU when they play the the off name. T- I was gonna say off brand teams, but like the smaller teams, it's like come on, you should be blowing these teams out, right? So let's move on a little bit. I'm good a little NFL because we did have a little bit of excitement today with with the Saints playing. I'm not gonna cover much else NFL except for the Saints. And one other thing, but the Saints, man, come away with the win against Seattle. Well, you, you can look at the beginning of the season and say they have no Russell Wilson. They're Geno Smith or Drew Locke. You got Geno Smith there, who's been a huge surprise in the NFL all the way around fantasy leagues as well. Uh, and getting wins there in Seattle. Look at their record. Uh, they, they're actually a good team. And uh, Geno Smith has done just enough. He's using the big receiver and the little receiver, using the tight end. The running, running game is good, and the defense is just good enough. And so they've been really good. So you look at the beginning of the season, and you think, no, this should be an easy win, but it absolutely wasn't. So it was a hard-fought battle, and I like a little bit of what what the offensive coordinator did here. I'll give, we'll give him a little bit of credit here. And sometimes you just have to allow your playmakers to make plays, right? Now, starting this game, you're already off a little bit because you don't have Michael Thomas. Imagine that Michael Thomas is not playing uh, when we're not winning. Right, I got a feeling Michael Thomas. If we go on a win streak, is going to come back miraculously. Right, right. Jarvis Landry, tough, tough guy, down with an ankle injury. So you got your top two receiving uh, got, uh, receivers down, and then Chris Olave gets a concussion in the game, so he's out. So you need your big time guys to go up. And what we ran into last season was it was the Kamara show. We leaned so heavily on Alvin Kamara that we didn't give. I mean, it was just him, right? So today. I was super surprised. Kamara finally showed up. Welcome home, Alvin. Welcome home. Thanks for finally showing up for us this season and balling out. You know, uh, over 100 yards total, rushing, 
uh, I forgot how many yards. I think it may have been like 50 to 80 yards. Somewhere up in there. I had to look back at it, but I don't want to misquote it. Receiving. But today was the Tay-Tay show. The Tay-Tay show. Taysom Hill. And I know my son, after he listens to it, is going to be a little upset because he has he drafted Taysom Hill. Uh, and I looked today, and he has him on the bench. And he may lose because he had Taysom on the bench. Which you can never tell because we hadn't used him much. But your boy came away with four touchdowns, one passing for 22 yards to the tight end, by the way, and then three running, and the cap off the end of the game with the 60-yarder to win the game, to to seal the game. That's huge. Uh, and, you know, the Saints are another team where our Achilles heel a little bit is outside of the offense in the quarterback situation is the special teams as well. And so it set it up to where you didn't let it go into the, to the special team's hands. You put your, your playmakers there, and he did his thing. Man, look, look at that. You got your top three receiving threats down and your running back and your Swiss Army knife take over and win the game for you. That's amazing. And the quarterback play was good enough. It wasn't putrid even though you didn't have your top three receiving threats there. Well, you had your third receiving threat there for a little while until you got a concussion and he was balling out for a minute, right? My other thing on NFL, I want to say this, is Kenny Pickett. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Kenny Pickett, you need to go watch this video. So, at the beginning of the Buffalo, or somewhere at the beginning of the Buffalo and Steelers game, there was a fight that broke out. Later on in the game, Kenny, uh, Kenny Pickett uh, gets hit as he's delivering the ball, and it's a low hit. If it was Tom Brady, the guy gets fined, he gets penalized, everything. It was a hit below the waist, actually below the knee, uh, at the knee, on one leg, and takes him on down. It's, it was what in today's football would be considered a dirty hit. Uh, and, and it's one of those rules that is the Tom Brady rule that was enacted because Tom Brady got hurt the year that Matt Castle had to take over. That's when they enacted that rule. You can't have Tom Brady get hurt, right? And so that happens. No penalties called. But immediately, Kenny Pickett gets up and starts boxing with the defensive lineman who like outweighs him by 100 pounds. I don't I, Look, he may not ever be a good quarterback in the league, but he could be a quarterback on my team. If you got that kind of grit, to fight a, a defensive lineman who took a cheap shot on you? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Give me that guy any day of the week. I think he's a boss. I would take that cat. I'd take him over what we got right now, even though he's young and he's a, he's a rookie. Honestly. I, I'm a, I may even put him behind Andy Dalton for a little bit, but I would still put him there. I would I would have him on there. Oh, one uh, two other things I'm going to say about the NFL. Number Because uh, I was just talking about uh, Tom Brady. If you didn't get to see this nonsense, and now put these two things in retrospective here about what I was saying about the hit that Kenny Pickett took that was enacted because of the injury that happened to Tom Brady, did not get called for a penalty, okay? Then you go over to the the Bucks and Falcons game, and you have a sack or, or, or it may have been after he delivered the ball, putting him on down. I don't remember what it was, but what it was was not what it was called. It was the worst the absolute worst roughing the passer call that I've ever seen in pro football outside of somebody just slapping a quarterback's helmet by accident. Absolutely ridiculous. So when you look at those two things, you're like, oh, I see the bias. I see the bias. And it's been there the majority of his career. And so that, for me, is another reason why he will never be the GOAT. I don't care if he wins, if he stays in the league for another 80 years and wins every Super Bowl for the rest of the time. If I'm protected back there all day long and nobody can touch me, guess what? I'm going to carve up a defense, too, and I'm 41 as well. If you don't believe me, come watch me throw the ball. Anyway, moving on to the top 25. A little bit about the top 25, and I'm going to try to end the show uh, for us. 
the upsets that's what i want to talk about first is upsets uh it was four really honestly four really true upsets because of the top 25 kentucky without will levis maybe the second or third best quarterback in you know going into the draft this year uh falls to south carolina now that shows how valuable that quarterback is to that team they haven't really lit up the scoreboard with him at quarterback but they hadn't lost any games like that not to a team that they were so heavily favored against i know that the the, the line went down when they knew that levis wasn't go, wasn't going to play uh, but they were heavily favored before that and to fall to South Carolina, which is an up-and-coming team. God bless him. Beamer is doing a good job over there, right? So moving on to the next one. BYU falls to Notre Dame. I'm not sure how much of a, uh upset this really is. BYU still in the top 25. It's, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things. But uh, they were ranked the highest there. They were in the top 25, and uh, they fall to Notre Dame. So that's another upset for you. This next one I absolutely did not see coming. Uh, I knew Arizona State gave USC a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a battle, put really a scare in some senses. Uh, but I did not expect them to upset Washington, and they absolutely did. That team shows a lot of grit over there in Arizona. That That's huge. UCLA gets the air quotes upset over Utah. Uh, and the reason why I say air quotes is because UCLA, like I said before about Washington, before they lost to US, uh, UCLA, uh, was just completely disrespected when it came to the top 25. And UCLA has been the same. UCLA was a lower seed here and came came through and beat uh, Utah. Uh, that running game looked sick. That absolute, that running game looked absolutely sick. If you got to watch any of the game, it was great. Uh, UCLA seems for real, dude. Uh, they may seem more for real than USC. And uh, I, I that that game... The Battle of Los Angeles might be an actual really good game this year to watch, just depending on if US, uh, USC can hold on without losing any before that game. Uh, and these two teams are bringing some; uh, they're they're carrying some momentum to go over there to the Big Ten. So that's that's huge too. Oh, the other thing that I forgot to say about the NFL, I'll say that real quick, is Derek Stingley owns Trevor Lawrence. His first pick in the NFL is against Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely hilarious. So just moving on from that. The top 25, the couple questions that I have there, not really one question, is why is Clemson still ranked fourth? Uh, I know they put it up on, they really beat the snot out of, beat the brakes off of one team this season. Uh, but the rest of the time, man, they just really hadn't looked that good. So I'm not undersure. And they really hadn't, they really hadn't been tested like some of these other teams that are behind them. Like, for instance, Tennessee's been tested more. Tennessee has a better... Uh, schedule, better resume. So does Michigan. You know, so not just going for the SEC here, but even Michigan, who is a spot behind them, has a better resume than Clemson does. So here we go again with that voter bias again, right? So it is what it is with it, right? It's just always going to be that way. Even yeah, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. You know what it is. So it is Florida Hate Week. But before we get into Florida Hate Week, just remember. On the top 25, there's there's action happening. Of course, LSU was in the top 25. They were 25th, so they lose out and makes room. There's two teams that made it into the top 25 this week, one that hadn't been in there in a long time and one that's never been in there. The one that hadn't been there in a long time is Illinois. Welcome to the top 25, right? Good job for them, what they're doing up there. That may be Brett Bielema's team. I don't, I don't remember which team he's coaching right now, but welcome to the top 25. And then the other one, James Madison. 
That's right. James Madison, who was just in the FCS, is now in the top 25. Those of you who have not been paying attention, this is a team that beat Appalachian State, who beat Texas A&M, right? This is, this is a team, again, that was just in the FCS two, three years ago. So to already be in the top 25 says a lot. Uh, that That's huge. I, you know me, I like to pull for the underdogs a lot, unless they're the Florida Gators and they don't really care. Uh, <laughs> right? I told you it's Florida hate week. I told you it's Florida hate week. So I, I'm, I'm not going to jump on them too much because I can't, after the way that we played, I can't really say too much of that. We got to prove something too. But, you know, the last two years, we absolutely should have lost to Florida and somehow won, whether it was tossing the shoe or whatever. Uh, so I, I hope we get the win this this week, uh, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence, but it's still Florida hate week, right? Join in with me on, on Florida hate week. Uh, you know, a lot of people in Louisiana hate Bama, and I, you can understand that a lot. But let me say this. I've said it before. I respect Bama. Not only that, they had the greatest college football coach to ever live, and it, it, even better than Bear Bryant and uh, Nick Saban, who at one time coached here at LSU, right? And so that's another reason why a lot of people hate Bama in Louisiana is because Saban, air quotes, left here to go to Alabama. No, he didn't. He went to Miami, then went out back to college Alabama. Uh, <laughs> but, man, the rivalry game that I absolutely hate, and I wish, I hope that when they get this new format in with the two Big 12 teams coming in, that we don't have to play Florida every stinking freaking year. I hate playing Florida every year. I would rather play Tennessee every year, <laughs> honestly, uh, which we only played them, what, like every seven years, something crazy like that, uh, or every seven years they're here. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's insane, uh, but we still have to play stupid Florida every year. I, I hate playing that team. I, I hope that format changes so much. I, I just, I, listen, I, I can ramble on it about it. I can't stand that team. To me, that is the team, especially after Hurricane Matthew, air quotes, Hurricane Matthew, my hatred level for them, it went up. So before, I just didn't like Florida. I didn't. Like, I love Tebow after Florida. But I can't stand, I just couldn't stand Florida. But you still had teams like USC, Ohio State, maybe Oklahoma, that I just, I, I, Clemson, that I, I despise way more than Florida. But after that whole debacle with Jeremy Foley leaving out and Greg Shanky just screwing the pooch there and uh, really just rolling out the red carpet for whatever that uh, Florida wanted to do, right? I mean, every other team in Florida that year played a game, including Florida soccer teams and volleyball teams and everything else. They were okay to play in the weather, travel in it, etc. But the the football team couldn't play in it, but they, they also couldn't come play here until a few weeks later. Made no sense. Then you look at this year, they have a real hurricane, a massive hurricane that causes great damage to the state of Florida. And guess what? Florida did not cancel or try to change any games. <laughs> it's like it, another reason for me to just despise that orange and blue team. Anyway, so I'll cap it off with that. It's Florida hate, hate week. Join me with that, that hatred. It, it, those of you who know sports, those of you who don't know sports, just understand what it means. There's no real hate, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody get offended, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So, but it's Florida Hate Week. Join in with me on it. So, this is your boy, Mark Atreira, with your favorite podcast, Make It A Cut. You know where to find me. Be looking out for me next week. Love you guys. See you next time.